0: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Indian Dentist. Today we have with us Dr. Pratibha Prasad who is currently working as an assistant professor in RAK College of Dental Sciences. She has 10 years working experience in UAE and more than 12 years of experience in academics, clinics and research. She has a PhD in oral pathology and specialist A license from the Ministry of Health UAE. She takes pride in having molecular research experience in cancer and has numerous publications with very high impact factor. She worked alongside eminent scientists under the supervision of Professor Thalim Choy, head of immunotherapy in Gustavo Rosser Institute France. She is an international orator and reviewer in many dental journals she was recently interviewed by u.s television show as regional expert in dentistry she has appeared on oral pathology 360 channel by the famous oral pathologist dr mandana donahue she was awarded superheroes of health from GEMS group uae welcome to the podcast dr Pratibha. it's it's a pride having you on the podcast today oh thank you dr huma thank you for having
1: me. Uh, This is something new that I'm doing, you know, Uh, podcasts are quite famous uh, among your generation and I hope to reach out to them through this medium and thank you for giving me this opportunity.
0: I hope you're doing well. I'm doing
1: very well by God's grace. Thanks a lot. And I hope you're well and you're staying safe as well.
0: Yes, I'm doing good. So before we get started with the real topic that we are going to talk about today, which is cancer research and uh, how BDS students can take up cancer research as a part of their career, we would like to know something personal about you. So can you please tell us where are you from? I'm uh, from uh,
1: Mysore. It is a city of Royals. It is located in the state of Karnataka. And uh, I take pride from coming from that city because it's very rich in culture and heritage and that has influenced my upbringing a lot. Uh, So yeah, that's the city I come from.
0: Mysore is indeed a very beautiful place and I particularly like I think cycling in Mysore because it's like so convenient to go to places
1: because uh, earlier the karnataka state was actually mysore state because the Mm -hmm. royals ruled it and they were uh, situated in mysore so it's very well planned city so you don't uh, find it uh, cumbersome like other uh, unplanned cities you know this the Mm -hmm. infrastructure is very well planned
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that is why yes and the uh, environment is not polluted and yeah. it's repeatedly voted as uh, the cleanest cities in India uh, for I think uh, more than seven years now.
0: That is quite yeah.
1: a achievement, it is yes. a big achievement. Yeah, You
0: know, especially in
1: India, people don't take care of their uh, country actually. Uh, it's very sad to say that, but people spit everywhere, they throw mm-hmm. garbage everywhere. You know, they don't uh, uh, mind uh, their mannerisms when they're out and about. Uh, so it is quite a big, uh, 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 you know, challenge to achieve that uh, for seven years. At...
0: Being uh, clean is one thing, but I think it's one of the most beautiful cities as well. Uh, especially the huge trees and the lavender-colored flowers everywhere.
1: Yes, it's bougainvillea. I think you're talking about. There are a lot of bougainvilleas planted everywhere. Uh, so yeah, it's it's quite uh, green and beautiful and very calm, very calm mm-hmm. place. Yeah.
0: Coming to your journey as a BDS, can you tell us like where you completed your BDS? Why did you decide to choose BDS as a career?
1: Uh, well, um, from when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a doctor. Somehow the field of medicine was very fascinating for me, and there were a lot of doctors in my family as well. So I, I used to uh, dream of being a doctor. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the competitive exams were really competitive, <laughs> so I could not get into medicine. Uh, but at the same time, um, even before uh, I wrote the exam, for my uh, BDS, um, the competitive entrance I'm talking about. I I did uh, uh, inquire about uh, dentistry and uh, you know, my father especially because one of his friend's daughter uh, had enrolled uh, for dentistry through management seat. So my dad had told me to keep that in option as well. And he's from academic background. So probably he assumed that, you know, If I don't get a medical seat, then there should be a plan B. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it happened so that, uh, you know, I just missed by few rankings uh, the medical seat and uh, we decided to go for dentistry. And at that time, uh, the top institutions uh, were uh, SDM from Dharwad, uh, Bapuji Mm -hmm. from Davangire and uh, A.B. Shetty from Mm Bangalore. These three were on the top actually. Uh, for dentistry in Karnataka state Uh, and I am very fond of beaches (laughs) from when I was a kid (laughs) so actually I chose Mangla because I love beaches and I had visited Mangla several times before with my parents Uh, so I was very keen on uh, joining AB and that's how I chose AB and for my luck it was available you know back in the days when you are in a counseling room The seats keep going away, and based on uh, which college you want and how many number of seats are available, you have to list out your top options. And for my luck, you know, I had a seat in uh, Abhisheki, and uh, uh, you had to give three options. It was my second option actually, and uh, I got it actually. So I I can say I'm very very lucky. I passed out uh, in the year uh, 2001 and mm-hmm. uh, at uh, one very weird thing which happened with my batch of students was that uh, all the medical uh, professions came under one university that as you know today is Raju University of Health Sciences so I was the first batch of Raju University so there was a lot of immediate changes which happened and uh, it took a while for the colleges to grapple that situation uh, there were a lot of um, students because the exam pattern was completely different. Uh, we would get questions out of the syllabus, you know, most of the papers, uh, the questions, uh, that too, those 20 mark questions would be out of the syllabus. So it was it was quite scary, <laughs> but uh, thankfully, I managed to uh, just uh, breeze through, you know, I didn't uh, fail even a single subject in any of the years. Uh, all the subjects were cleared in one shot. So it was quite an achievement for my batch because we were 100. By the time uh, we finished first year, 50% had failed. <laughs> by the time we <laughs> so final year, we were just 22, if I remember it correctly.
0: Oh my and God. Out of,
1: that, yeah, out of that, only 11 of us had not failed even a single subject (laughs) so i I really take huge pride in being one among them Uh, so yeah it was it was a great experience abhishthati is one of the coolest colleges the professors are awesome Uh, they're not only knowledgeable they're very friendly as well And uh, the infrastructure is amazing. We had all state-of-the-art technology back in the days as as itself. And uh, you know, some of our professors used to go to US and Europe and get trained and come back and uh, uh, teach us all the latest things in that uh, uh, particular field of dentistry. So we got a very good exposure. And even the patients, we never had a dearth of patients. So it was an amazing college to... Uh, learn from especially your bachelor degree if your foundation is solid uh, then you're set for life you know so it was a great experience yeah it brings a smile on my face when I talk about
0: it I can sense how proud you are of uh, being a part of the college yeah and another interesting
1: thing, you know, my father was very keen on me joining Bapuji uh, in Davangire because it was mm-hmm. academically, you know, it was quite famous and well-known. And uh, for my MDS, I joined there actually. So, oh, wow. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so you yeah. checked both the colleges of yeah. your list? <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs>
1: uh, that's, that's quite, uh, you know, it's a blessing from God.
0: I think we are very lucky that you didn't get into medical field and you bought so many uh, Uh achievements to the field of dentistry then. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Doctor, what do you have to say about like when we are in BDS and when we have to see our first patient? I think we are more terrified than the patient. (laughs)
1: Yes. Because
0: uh, first of all the patient is terrified to go to a dentist and then secondly he is going to a dentist who is still training yeah. and how do you think a dentist should prepare for his first patient?
1: So this is we are talking about students right? When yes. you are still a student.
0: So I think uh, the trick
1: is to do a lot of uh, preclinical work and uh, get enough uh, experience. See when you are good at what you do that's what gives you confidence you know. Uh, so the point of working with simulators is to prepare you to work with uh, real patients. Uh, but of course, it's it's slightly different ball game uh, because the patient is alive and uh, there are a lot of vital structures in the area where you're working. So that induces fear in you. Uh, So, you should not uh, get afraid, you know, you should rather focus on the fact that you're doing service to the patient and, uh, you know, you're relieving the pain to the patient rather than only focusing on, oh, if I inject the LA wrongly, the patient is going to ask or What if I cut an artery and, you know, there's going to be like a fountain of blood, you know, because when you're reading complications, they just stick to your mind. That's how your brain works, you know.
0: And I think that makes a dental student go to a dentist even more difficult. <laughs>
1: yeah true what you said is true and the patients who are coming in actually uh, like you said they know that you're a student and you're being trained and uh, they can sense fear in you you know uh, so i think um, you need to do some deep breathing <laughs> or <some laughs> meditation or something to keep yourself calm before a patient and uh, don't let the patient sense your fear because uh, that uh, undermines their confidence in you, you know. And it's uh, never too good. It's always a very memorable experience, your uh, first patient, although you're uh, uh, maybe sweating like crazy, (laughs) but still act confident. They say, right, uh, fake it till you make it. it. (laughs) So I think that's the mantra here.
0: (laughs) So uh, being an oral pathologist, you might have come across a lot of patients who are in a very... how do you handle such patients?
1: See, uh, people have to understand the difference between empathy and sympathy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Suppose you have a cancer patient uh, and whatever stage they are in, they are going through a very difficult situation and their families as well, you know, because the word cancer is very scary. Uh, People know that uh, uh, there could be mortality, you know, because of that. Uh, So, you have to empathize with their situation and uh, deal with them uh, in a very normal way. Don't treat them like, you know, oh, you're going to die or something like that, you know. That is a very wrong thing to do. You should not show sympathy. That's going to break down their uh, confidence further. I feel you should uh, 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 treat them just like any other normal patient, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, be empathetic, of course, of their situation. You know what they're going through and uh, act accordingly. Uh, But don't be overly sympathetic uh, because that's going to put more fear in their mind that you know they're showing me so much of sympathy because I'm going to die. That's how the patient is going to think. And uh, there are so many miracles which happen that terminally uh, ill patients uh, come back alive you know. So, mm-hmm. there are so many things which is beyond science. Uh, you cannot really tell, oh, you're uh, stage 4 cancer and you just have three months to live. Uh, so, I feel uh, being uh, empathetic is more important than uh, being sympathetic in such uh, situations.
0: That is a very good t- takeaway. Another thing is uh, mm-hmm. don't uh,
1: become personally attached, you know, that's, because yeah. that's going to take a huge toll on you. Uh, I used to do that and uh, you, you cannot uh, take so much of burden of someone else and especially if you are young uh, it's, it's too much to handle actually so I feel uh, you should not get attached too personally you should uh, I'm not saying don't be detached emotionally but what I'm saying mm-hmm. is don't take their burden on yourself because it's eventually going to take an emotional toll on you. Mm-hmm. You know, And you will not be able to perform your duties well when that happens. So that is something crucial which nobody teaches you, but I think uh, uh, you will learn along the way. And uh, mm-hmm. if uh, someone is listening, I think uh, you should take a notice of what I'm saying. It's very, very important. Very important, especially if you're dealing with uh, uh, such patients, cancer patients or... Uh, some other terminally ill patients who might have come to you for dental treatment so
0: yeah that's my uh, say about this so it's basically like we construct a boundary you're supposed to understand the patient but then you're not supposed to be personally attached
1: exactly exactly
0: uh, going forward uh, let's come to the topic proper which is cancer research can you tell us how you got into cancer research and why? Um,
1: actually, uh, my PhD topic was on uh, water pack smoking, which is mm-hmm. nothing but uh, hookah, we call it in India. And uh, yes. here in Middle East, we call it as shisha uh,
0: mm-hmm. smoking.
1: Uh, I was very intrigued by it because uh, before I worked here in UAE, I was here on a visit uh, as a tourist. And what mm-hmm. I saw was that, you know, even uh, children, women, everybody is uh, smoking uh, this shisha. Uh, like, given the circumstances here, it's quite a conservative country where, um, you know, they don't indulge in uh, a lot of things like, say, for example, alcohol or uh, uh, you know, a lot of things are taboo in this culture. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty shocked that uh, children and women are also smoking uh, shisha mm-hmm. So and I know uh, Personally that it is tobacco Then when I read more, I saw that there is not much work, which has been done uh, there was a lot of uh, Analysis, which was done as to what the smoke contained, but there was no real uh, proof as to uh, it could cause cancer or something like that. So that, that's what motivated me to do my study on in PhD. But that was on, uh, uh, you know, uh, micronuclei. And after I finished my PhD, uh, as you know, there is a lot of competition in academics as well. It's not just in the clinical scenario. And especially in an international country like here, You really need to show your uh, competence. Mm
0: -hmm. So, uh,
1: me getting involved in the research was just to go up the trajectory in my career, that's all actually. And uh, Mm -hmm. from each college, two people had to dedicate some time for research. And uh, Mm -hmm. when I was asked, I immediately said yes, because uh, not everyone gets asked, you know. And um, I thought I was quite fortunate to get that opportunity, and I said yes immediately. I didn't know the challenges of uh, getting into uh, this kind of uh, research, but uh, when I said yes, I was happy. Mm. And uh, when I got into the research, I realized that uh, I, do, I don't know anything about uh, the life sciences, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, We are all doctors but uh, the kind of research which we have done is just way, way different than what uh, the scientists do and uh, this particular group of scientists were quite uh, uh, eminent group of scientists and they had worked uh, uh, in different parts of the world and they had huge experience so yeah, I learned from them. I learned from scratch. I learned on my own many things. I read a lot, a lot, a lot day and night. I did several mistakes. I learned from my mistakes, uh, but eventually I did get there. I got there and I am so proud that I got the opportunity. So that's my journey with the... Uh, cancer uh, research and uh, I didn't tell you how I actually got into the project so it was my proposal that uh, you know we should do molecular research on modified smoking because although I did one study but even that couldn't conclude uh, what are the pathways which are affected what are the genes which are up regulated or down regulated in this so that's what I wanted to prove and show that uh, there are uh, uh, premalignant changes and uh, there could be malignancy because of water pipe smoking. And uh, that's how I uh, we started the whole project. It's, it's quite huge project, you know, uh, here it doesn't work as quick as our dental projects which finishes in a few months. So these proposals usually take two to three years to complete and it's a lot of work you have to dedicate a lot of time and uh, when you're working with uh, cell culture and uh, you know maintaining the cells to pass the cells you have to collect the cells after treatment so all these things have to be done at particular Mm -hmm. time like every four hours every eight hours every Mm -hmm. 12 hours so it has to be on the dot you know so even if it's in the middle of the night you need to go to the lab you need to do your thing and then return back home so yeah it was uh, a lot of work and the pipetting uh, <laughs> you think being a dentist it's so easy to pipet <laughs> But there's so much of technique behind just pipetting, you know. So, just to learn pipetting, uh, to master it, you can say it took a while as well. Because uh, if you over pipet, it, it will not be, say, for example, you want to uh, treat the cells with uh, 500 microliter. But if you over press the pipet, it, it will be mo- a little more mm-hmm. than 500 microliter, you know. And if you uh, underdo it, then it will not be enough. So, uh, just to master at pipetting itself took a while and of course the uh, PCR technique, extracting RNA and then extracting the DNA, how to run your uh, PCR, how to design your genes, you know, based on the experiment that you're doing and suppose something went wrong how do you troubleshoot it how to analyze your result is something (laughs) different altogether we are so used to just doing something and then giving it to either a technician uh, to do further work or give it to a statistician to analyze your result here from planning to troubleshooting to analyzing to coming up with your uh, conclusion of that one experiment and based on the result of that experiment, one experiment takes several months to finish, okay? And based on that, what is the next experiment that you're going to do? What's your next step? So all this is uh, just uh, uh, a big, big learning experience actually, yeah. I got a lot of help, I should not lie, I I got a lot of guidance. From uh, very kind people, so I'm very thankful and grateful for that.
0: Listening to all of this, yeah, <laughs> like I realize that research is not a joke. It is first not. of all <laughs> <laughs> because I mean I understand the amount of hard work and the amount of years or months that you have to put in, yeah, and that to dot on time, yeah, yeah, and uh, uh,
1: like okay maybe for you guys it will be easier because uh, you know you're still a student and maybe you're pursuing it as a path of your career or maybe you're doing it uh, during your master's or something like that but for me i had a full-time job and of course i have my family and uh, various other uh, commitments Uh, Mm -hmm. so apart from all that to do this was uh, a bit uh, too much. So, if you're uh, planning to take up research, uh, I want to tell from now itself that don't think it's very fancy and you know <laughs> that I'm going to work on cancer cells, I'm going to grow them in a 3D <laughs> model. No, uh, it's not so fancy, and uh, it's, it's a lot of hard work, uh, but yeah, if you have that dedication and uh, if you're committed to uh, your work, uh, then yes, it also gives you some satisfaction that uh, you're working towards something, um, you know, which is uh, novel, no one has done it before, mm-hmm. so that's, that's a lot of useful information to the field of medical and health sciences, so... That's the satisfaction you get That is all Everyone get a Nobel award for (laughs) this And there is no extra money involved Uh So whatever it is you are doing for It is just for uh, that uh, that Driving you to make a difference Mm. Yeah, that's all
0: And also I feel like Cancer is something which everybody knows, but then nobody actually knows what it is. Uh, Well, if you want me to put it in a
1: very simple way,
0: Mm -hmm. uh, we have normal cells
1: and normally functioning cells, right? Yes. uh, Some of these cells, not all of them, but some of these cells can divide and uh, multiply, okay? What happens in cancer is that there is an uncontrolled multiplication of the cells okay Mm -hmm. so normally whatever cells are multiplying are all controlled by the body by the growth factors there are several mechanisms which control it but in cancer what happens is that there is an uncontrolled replication and what these cancer cells do is there is a lot of mutation which happens okay and that's the reason uh, why a normal cell becomes cancer and there are six uh, hits which results in this conversion of normal cell to cancer cell. So when these six hits happen, or say that uh, more than uh, two or three hits will uh, start the process of cancer, is what they say. It need not be all six of them as well, okay? But Mm -hmm. it's six different hits which usually lead to uh, this cancerous uh, mutation. So that is number one. Mm-hmm. There is uncontrolled proliferation and the anti-growth signals will keep sending signal telling them to stop but they, they don't respond to these signals. They don't have receptors to receive these signals from anti-growth factors. And three is uh, they have a capacity to uh, produce their own blood supply and their own nutrition so they don't have to depend on the body for the nutrition that's called as angiogenesis and then they're capable of uh, metastasis so what happens is if there is an epithelial cell it remains only in the epithelium okay but in cancer the epithelial cells first of all they lose their cell junctions and then they migrate to the connective tissue and start multiplying there so this this is this is when you call it a epithelial cancer or mm-hmm. carcinoma and another factor is distant metastasis when it can you know travel through blood or lymph nodes into distant organs so the death from cancer is not because of the primary tumor alone say for example you have a tumor in your buccal mucosa you're not going to die from that you're mm-hmm. going to die when the cancer cells uh, have metastasized say to uh, liver or uh, lung or your uh, uh, other prominent organs that's when the death occurs I hope that answers the question in a simple
0: way I think you've put it in such a simple way and even if a person doesn't know anything about it if he doesn't belong to a medical background even he can understand uh, what you just explained so that was a beautiful explanation thank you so much thank you. in India like right now because everybody is influenced by social media and everything the trend of smoking hookah or shisha and also I think vaping is yeah. uh, kind of gradually increasing every day and the most depressing point about uh, this is also that it, the people who are getting influenced are teenagers uh, so yes. can you just uh, burst some mints around uh, beat, hookah, shisha or vaping.
1: So the biggest uh, myth about uh, shisha or hookah was that uh, it's not tobacco, it's not cigarette. Cigarette causes cancer that is quite well established. But the biggest myth among people is that uh, shisha or hookah cannot cause cancer. Number one, Mm -hmm. it is not tobacco. Number two, the smoke passes through the water. There is a water body which it passes through actually. Uh, that is to cool down the smoke. So they think the water acts as a filter and it removes all the toxin. Mm-hmm. So this is also uh, some uh, mis you have seen
0: among the slightly educated crowd. <laughs> you know the good <laughs> patient <laughs> Yes, I think I have heard that quite a lot of times. But then have. I have yeah. to take time to explain to uh, my patients that the entire of hookah be equal to smoking 100 cigarettes and they'll be like what exactly no exactly and another thing
1: is that's the amount of smoke you can imagine if it is equivalent Mm -hmm. to more than 100 cigarettes another thing is the uh, carcinogens are actually produced when the tobacco is burnt at a very high temperature even cigarette smoke the carcinogens are produced because of that heat you know, the burning tobacco is producing uh, the carcinogens, which are inhaled through the smoke. And uh, when you're burning the tobacco for shisha, it is in thousands of times. Uh, you know, the temperature of burning mm-hmm. is 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 far more higher compared yeah. to the cigarette. Secret, uh, yeah, yeah, burn so you can imagine the number of carcinogens which are produced by that kind of heat and charcoal is involved because charcoal mm-hmm. itself can produce a lot of carcinogenic compounds and you're burning this tobacco on top of the charcoal so both together you it's a very uh, bad uh, concoction <laughs> to be inhaling in the first place So these are uh, some of the myths among the people that it is not tobacco and that it cannot cause cancer. And about vaping is... uh, Oh God, I can't even begin to talk about it. People are so complacent, you know. I'm so safe because I'm vaping. I'm not smoking (laughs) cigarettes. I'm not smoking hookah or shisha. I'm just vaping and it's so cool. Everyone is doing it, you know. But uh, this is very uncontrolled, no one knows what is in it, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, again it's the same uh, scenario. It is being heated and uh, you don't know what is in it and uh, what are the carcinogenic compounds which are being released from that. People have started doing studies on it and I hope they come out with results soon to tell, uh, to, uh, to provide this awareness among uh, the youngsters, you know, that it's not uh, some fancy thing to do. It's not something cool. You want to be cool, you do something nice to others. Don't go and vape and say I'm cool. A very wrong concept among this generation. Not just this generation, I think everyone at that age Mm -hmm. are a little stupid, so yeah. We just have to create more and more awareness.
0: Does smoking hookah have any withdrawal symptoms, just like nicotine?
1: Yes, absolutely, because it is tobacco and it is releasing nicotine, right? Another funny thing, just because you mentioned it, I am saying, if you see those uh, packages which sell tobacco for uh, hookah smoking it says zero nicotine (laughs) (laughs) of course nicotine will be released only after you you start smoking it you know you start burning Mm -hmm. it so Uh, they have all uh, different ways of uh, fooling people but i think people should be smarter because it's your body you're abusing it and uh, it's, it, you should be treating it well because uh, it, it's your body it's your life
0: mm-hmm. i think i completely agree with that yeah. coming to guiding bds students towards pursuing a career in research yeah where do you think a bds stu- graduate should start See, actually,
1: BDS students, if, if the curriculum was uh, uh, very well designed, I feel the research projects which we do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what do we normally do? What did you do for your research project? Tell me, Doctor.
0: I had participated in a you know poster presentation at the National IOAMP Conference. Oh, nice. Which was like the oral pathologist's yeah, conference. Yeah. Yes. So I had just collected information and uh, presented about the nutritional recommendations, which, uh, you know, along with cancer medication can help a patient uh, get all the necessary antioxidants. So Great. that was.
1: Uh, but you did that study, right? Or you wrote a review or something like
0: that? It was more of a review. I think it was uh, studying different research papers and then. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up, like a cumulative poster yeah. based yes. on different research, not okay. directly research. Yeah.
1: So this this is what I'm saying. That's what I did mm. too. I'm not blaming you. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I did too. Uh, I did. Uh, I didn't even do a review, by the way. Uh, we just distributed some uh, questionnaire, like a survey form, and then. Uh, We collected the data, gave it to a statistician and based on whatever he gave, we just wrote some uh, report and uh, that's it. That was the project Mm -hmm. and uh, some uh, poster we had to do, which was like, uh, uh, you know, to create community awareness uh, and we had to present it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's it. And it could be anything. It could be just to show how to brush correctly. That's what I did actually and uh, you know people just brush aggressively and then that ends up leading to abrasion of teeth so you just had to teach the patients how to brush correctly Mm -hmm. so that 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 was all the research which we did Uh, but i feel if the curriculums are designed well and uh, it wouldn't start Uh, Their molecular research exposure in undergraduate level itself nothing like Mm -hmm. it because a lot of universities in the Western countries are doing it even here in the Middle East they're doing it because universities are quite well equipped with a a molecular research lab and uh, students of pharmacy Mm -hmm. in their undergraduate level they have to finish certain months in the research lab, learning the basics of the molecular research. So if something like that can be done for BDS students, it's amazing. But of course, we cannot change the curriculum in the country. So what we can do that, uh, you know, whenever you get a break from one semester to another, or one year to another, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: instead of wasting time, try to apply in any of the universities which have a molecular research if it is not there in your own university this is what I'm talking about suppose you're in uh, College A they don't have a a molecular research setup but there is a College B which you know that has a molecular research so you write to the Dean of the College and Mm -hmm. you ask for that summer internship whatever Mm -hmm. it could be one month dedicate your time uh, learn all the basics from there and uh, uh, be ready to be a little bit humiliated shouted at but it doesn't matter but uh, learn learn from the scratch you know Uh, get your hands on experience and when you're there like dedicate completely your time in reading and learning those techniques from them this is number one which you can do you know in your breaks you can do that and in your masters you can pick a a topic which is related to the molecular research and that will give you of course almost a mastery level of experience you will get when you work on it for three years of course and the third thing which you can do is this is a little bit expensive i think but it will be great instead of just working in the indian universities i said like going to another university within your country or uh, maybe within india you can apply for universities abroad so instead of just applying in the uh, universities which are close by if you can financially afford it uh, you should apply in universities in usa and uh, Uh, any other country which is of your choice. Uh, These people not only give you a stipend they also give you accommodation to stay there and uh, it's usually in one of the uh, very high end uh, research labs and you will get so much of experience you cannot believe it. Uh, So if you can afford to do that, you could do that. So these are some of the options which you can do without having to study a lot. But if you are very very serious about taking uh, research as your career path and uh, maybe you know leave dentistry behind or something then i suggest either you do a diploma if not a masters you should do a diploma in uh, biotechnology or molecular biology or even you can do a diploma in uh, the lab techniques you know where uh, they teach you all the basics which are done in a research lab and then you can take it from there uh, whatever you want to pursue because you already have a basic degree which you need to become a research scientist and if you just get uh, this exposure usually people who go into the this kind of research that is research in life sciences what we do as clinicians is called clinical research okay so this so the experience uh, which you get uh, from working in a wet lab, that is, you know, uh, doing the culture of cells, working in a under a hood, how to sanitize everything, how to maintain your cells, all these basic things you will get to learn when you go to such uh, places. They will teach you all the basics. And people who get into field of research are usually from a background of chemistry, biology, and uh, biochemistry these are the three main fields uh, from where people get into research in life sciences whereas Mm -hmm. the research which we do as dentists is clinical research okay so that is that's also research by the way so don't mistake that uh, what dentists do is not a research, that is clinical research. So if your uh, aspiration is to get into uh, research in life sciences, then, yeah, uh, this is the path you should take. I think it's the most practical one that Mm -hmm. is doing your uh, uh, trainings and internships in such universities. Apart from this, you can, of course, uh, do a degree. Either a master's degree, because you already have a bachelor degree in BDS, so you just need Mm -hmm. to do a master's in either biotechnology or molecular biology or even in uh, a diploma in uh, lab techniques. Mm -hmm. And even a diploma in uh, molecular biology should suffice you to have a deep understanding of all the techniques that you need to know. Uh, And of course, it's a lifelong uh, learning experience, you know, you keep building the blocks of your knowledge. And once you do that, maybe you can apply for a PhD, where you get a grant, and mm-hmm. uh, you can work under someone very well experienced and uh, will get completely into a research path. And of course, academically, you can be connected, you know. So both go hand in hand, I feel. Don't know if uh, anyone would want to completely change their career into uh, research because, I mean, I shouldn't sound very materialistic but money is better in dentistry so I suggest that you, know, uh, you can be a dentist an academician and then do uh, research that's 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 a much better option according to me if you ask
0: mm-hmm. and uh, I think uh, nowadays there are a lot of uh, scholarships for fellowships because last time uh, when I spoke to you I went on the inter- had a look and there were so many scholarships and grants available for students who wanted to do like there there was partial funding and there was like completely funded so I think uh, a lot of us don't know about that and I think we should do our research before we get into research and yeah apply
1: for all of those as well yes because especially i told you last time when i spoke with you that uh, uh, tata and uh, uh, ambani and uh, all these people uh, they're they're funding a lot of young talent in the india to get this kind of exposure from outside and of course there are so many organizations i'm just uh, telling the names which are on top of my head and which are like well known to people uh, so, if you just go and uh, do your research and then, you know, find out how to apply, even if it covers, say, half of your expenses and the rest half, if you can cover on your own, or maybe you can do some odd jobs while you're there, you know, I feel it, it's a great exposure and great learning experience to do something like that.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, it, I mean, going to uh, another country and uh, being exposed to the type of uh, education system they have or the technology that they have and getting experience from that them will be a huge plus point to anybody who's interested
1: yes yes and uh, also it uh, helps you learn adaptability I think mm-hmm. it's a major factor in achieving success in life just to adapt to any new environment and to thrive there, not just survive. Mm-hmm. To adapt and to thrive in that kind of an environment in itself is a challenge. So this this kind of exposure in the basic sense actually does just that, if you ask mm-hmm. me. yeah.
0: Talking about that, uh, I know that you have had a lot of life experiences, especially like uh, with traveling, because I have seen your pictures. So, can you yeah. please uh, rate a little bit about your travel experience? Yeah,
1: I think I'm a hippie at heart. <laughs> 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 so I love traveling, and um, I'm shamelessly saying that I travel in style. <laughs> <We> really <laughs> splurge. When we travel, something which gives me great joy, immense joy. And, uh, we just don't do like one city in one country. We usually do cross country and uh, I take enough time, like two weeks, three weeks. And mm-hmm. uh, we like to see the entire country. I think that's that's such a different experience altogether. Of course, there is a huge difference in culture and the amount of uh, pleasure you get when you travel to places like this food is will be amazing I like to visit uh, uh, their museums and of course the scenic places and the normal touristy thing that you do it just gives me immense uh, pleasure and uh, joy uh, to do that uh, to meet new people you know remember when we were in uh, Italy uh, there's this place called amalfi Coast it's it, it's a piece of paradise on earth really <laughs> you know people just go to rome and venice i think everyone should visit amalfi coast the coast of amalfi it's so beautiful uh people walk a lot in these countries they just don't take cabs mm-hmm. to everywhere okay so we are walking and then i meet this old lady she must be easily around uh, 80 between 80 to 85 and uh, it was it started drizzling so My son and I, we were looking for a cover, you know, where to just uh, take shelter. And this lady started just uh, swirling, you know. in the rain <laughs> <laughs> and then she started singing and she said uh, such a beautiful day life is so beautiful you know Bella. Uh, she said and I was like just looking at her and you know the joy on her face and I was so happy you know it's inspiring to see something like that and uh, another uh, place which has left a mark in me is uh, when we visited uh, Africa so we went to this tribe in Africa, which is a quite famous Maasai tribe. And uh, there they are completely cut off from the outside world. They don't have mobile phones. They don't have electricity. They, they don't even have a proper house to stay. They build their own houses from uh, The branches of the trees and uh, the dung of the cow. That's what they use to build their house, actually. They don't even have, like, uh, uh, yeah, they don't have uh, cement and all those things to build. And uh, what do they eat? They don't eat the animals they grow, the livestock which they grow. They don't eat them because they consider them as a part of their family. So they eat only one proper meal, like uh, they make uh, rice and with something. And the rice, Mm -hmm. they have to walk three days in the jungle to Tanzania to buy the rice. Okay, So they sell their livestock which they grow Mm -hmm. uh, to these people in Tanzania and bring that rice. And uh, you know this tribe is situated right in the middle of the jungle. So they have to defend themselves from uh, the tigers and lions which uh, get attracted to the livestock which are present. So, you know, what do they have to defend themselves is just a knife, which they have made it themselves by their hands. So, I mean, you know, looking at all that, I'm like, you know, even in uh, today's age, people are living like that. And there's this one small boy who sleeps with the tennis ball, meaning he doesn't let go of it even when he's sleeping, because that's the only toy which he has somebody gifted him the toy when they had visited the tribe and he guards it with his life that he sleeps with that ball you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it's it's like uh, all these things when you see i mean it 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 really makes you take a second look at life and uh, why do we worry about so many things, you know? Uh, you don't know what's going to happen in the future and you're constantly worried. And look at these people, they don't even know if they'll be alive the next morning and they look so happy. They just uh, sell whatever they uh, make, their handmade crafts are sold to the visitors. And that's the money they get and that's what buys them the food. And they, they're just happy, you know? They, they dance every day, they sing every day. So it was just amazing, it has left, uh, touched my heart like nothing else actually, really. I think just being among uh, these uh, lovely, lovely animals, beautiful animals has that effect on them. I don't know what it is Uh, because if you've gone to any African safari, you would know what I'm talking about. It's it's pure joy uh, to see them like that, free in the wild and doing their thing amazing amazing experience yeah so these are some of my travel experiences and uh, uh, i can say that i work so hard all throughout the year <laughs> just to be able to <laughs> travel to new new places and if you have heard you know uh, mr uh, richard branson he is uh, going on uh, his voyager mm-hmm. to space He's going to space. I think it's this Sunday if I'm not wrong. So I've always wanted to go to space since I was a kid. <laughs> I'm a big uh, science geek and a nerd and space is like, I mean, it's its uh, my dream to go to spa- space. So. It's $250,000 for a ticket, (laughs) so I'm going to start
0: saving. (laughs) So that would be my ultimate trip. Travel and also being with nature gives a complete change of perspective with respect to life.
1: Absolutely. Very well said. You just put it... Uh, in a perfect way, whatever I said.
0: And also, uh, one more thing about you is your YouTube channel. And yes. uh, since I've heard about it, I've scrolled through some of your videos, and uh, like you know, you're already uh, busy doing so many other things, but then you have also taken time to, you know, simplify topics and put it on YouTube. So, yeah. what was your motivation to do that? See,
1: I'm an oral pathologist,
0: as you know, and
1: not many people like the subject. Uh, uh, the oral pathology is very dry and boring and very difficult to uh, retain, a uh, very volatile subject. And uh, this is what I've noticed in my career That the way I teach for children Mm -hmm. It's very easy for them to understand And retain the information See the basic idea of teaching and learning Is to eventually retain that information for life right? You have to understand the subject So I saw that I have this talent to do that Not just oral pathology I teach several subjects Dental anatomy, oral histology, general pathology Even cell and molecular biology. So whatever subjects I teach, I simplify it in such a way and I teach it in such a way that students like it. That was my main motivation to make the channel, just to help the students and to make them like the subject because I completely believe that oral pathology is the core of dentistry. You might think uh, making uh, veneers is the most fanciest things and that's all about dentistry, but it is not. If a patient walks into your clinic with some pathology and if you cannot diagnose, I don't think you're a good clinician at all. You might be making the most awesome veneers and crown and bridges in the town, but if you cannot diagnose a pathology properly and treat the patient properly, you'll never become a good clinician. So, just how pathology is the core of uh, medicine, oral pathology is the core of dentistry. So, yeah, I wanted students all over the world to be able to like the subject, to understand, and retain the subject. Like one of the biggest compliments I've received was from my student who was from uh, Africa. uh, She went to do her master's, if I'm not wrong, in Canada. And uh, the when she met me later after a few years she told me that when she sees the patient with amyloblastoma she can still remember my slides you know so that was one of the biggest compliments for me and i was so happy to hear that that kind of an impact on uh, students so yeah so that was my whole motivation just to make uh, dental students like oral pathology and to retain it because again I'm repeating myself it is the core of dentistry.
0: I know that a lot of students who think that oral pathology they cannot retain that because there's a lot of imagination which is involved Uh, but uh, I think we already got a demo from you earlier when you were explaining things about cancer and uh, now everybody knows that nobody can explain it more simpler than you did oh, So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> also another thing Dr. Homa the technology has advanced so much that um, you know there are uh, a lot of videos which I show to my students as a part of my mm-hmm. teaching to make them visualize because earlier we, it was very hard for someone who cannot imagine not everyone can imagine you know yes. some black <laughs> total <laughs> imagination actually so for mm-hmm. them, it's very difficult. So now technology has made it possible that uh, there are so many three D animations which are done. Mm-hmm. There are so many videos which are actually recorded, uh, which mm-hmm. simulate, say, for example, the tooth development or how a normal cell becomes a cancerous cell. So all these things, when which are when they're shown in the form of a video, it's very easily understood by the students. So. You know, maybe um, other teachers can also adapt this uh, method in their teaching as an aid to use the videos as a part of your teaching, Mm -hmm. not just the PowerPoint and uh, Blackboard or whatsoever that you're using.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that is very important because now with online classes, it's getting even more difficult to, you know, uh, concentrate and understand.
1: Correct. It's very difficult to keep the students uh, engaged uh, when it's a distance mode of education. I I keep coming up with new new techniques to keep them engaged. I never just keep talking and finish my job Mm -hmm. and leave. I always like to discuss, I always like to pick their mind on whatever I'm talking about and uh, try to relate it to their previous knowledge. You know, that's how you build your uh, knowledge up. So I I keep uh, referring to the previous knowledge which they have learned. So all these things, I I mean, teachers know all these things, but uh, probably you should just find newer ways to implement it, that's all.
0: I would like to talk with you about uh, the campaign for hair donation, yeah. which is for cancer patients. Can you please put yes. a little light on that?
1: Yes, so this is this is my newfound uh, love now. What happened was, um, I'm a Board of Governor with uh, the Gems Group of uh, uh, Schools, Gems mm-hmm. Group of Education, and uh, I'm also champion. And uh, another parent actually approached me to be a judge for this competition where children were writing poems and uh, they were doing drawings to create awareness Mm -hmm. for cancer. And I agreed of course and I I, I didn't have a clue about how it's going to be but my mind was completely blown away uh, by the amount of talent first of all which I saw. The students were all like in grade 8, grade Mm 9. But the maturity which they showed and the passion which they have to create awareness for cancer was really heart-touching, and this was for a foundation called Hair for Hope. Mm-hmm. So the lady who runs it is uh, Miss Premi Mathew, and she's uh, here yes. in uh, UAE. And uh, she is a cancer survivor herself and when she was fighting her uh, cancer battle, the biggest uh, thing which affected her was the hair loss, you know, so according to her, for a woman especially, hair is like a crown, okay, so you might be very strong, you might have a very strong support system which is helping you fight this battle, but then when you look in the mirror and when you see that big patch of hair which is lost and you can see that baldness on your head it it just kills you slowly and deeply within every day you know it makes you lose your mm. confidence and it is also telling the world that you have cancer you don't want everybody to know that you're going through something like that mm-hmm. isn't it that's when she started this campaign hair for hope wherein uh, we don't have to use uh, artificial hair which looks a fake, that people uh, can donate their hair and wigs can be made from uh, that natural hair and uh, it is uh, given to the cancer patients, you know, as a gift, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw that small children and boys, boys Mm -hmm. were growing hair so long so that they could donate. And Mm -hmm. they were made fun of uh, by their classmates, by other boys and uh, even from some other relatives or the society but they did not give up you know they grew their hair long enough to be able to donate that 9 inch or 12 inch or Mm -hmm. whatever and so this inspired me so much uh, that i decided that i should start doing the same so this this is my first donation but it won't be the last so i donated on the first of june i had just 12 inches Uh, Hair to donate so the lady Mm -hmm. said please come back after three or four months because it's going to be a short bob for you Mm -hmm. and uh, You know, it might be quite difficult to maintain after you've had such uh, long hair for a long time I said no, I have decided (laughs) I don't care how short it's gonna be, but I want to donate uh, uh, the 12 inch of hair so I did that. It is so wonderful because I I like my hair, I take care of my hair, I really enjoy, you know, doing things with my hair. So, all that love which I've given to my hair, I felt I gave it to someone else, you know, and it's a part of me which might bring happiness to another person. So, that made me so happy and hair is something which grows, you know, I've always said that it's only hair, it just grows, (laughs) so... (laughs) I think I'm going to do it again when it grows to sufficient length not I think I'm definitely going to do it again Uh, so yeah I hope everyone who has long hair uh, should do this and if you don't have long hair grow it long enough and then donate it's, it's a great cause And it's going to make uh, such a huge difference To someone who don't have hair And uh, can uh, put a smile on their face You know, when they get it So I think everyone should uh, Do something for this noble cause uh,
0: I think I totally agree with that Also, you're sacrificing a part of yourself For somebody else And the smile yeah. That will bring in on your face And also the person's face Will never yeah. be reusable by anything else Correct And, uh, you know, it's not as difficult
1: as uh, your uh, organ donation although you know your skin and hair is Mm -hmm. uh, one system one organ system but uh, it's not like you're giving away your uh, liver or uh, Mm -hmm. kidney or something like that or your eyes or something like that right so Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's something very simple you can donate it and then it grows back it's Mm -hmm. so wonderful you know you're changing somebody's uh, life you're making them happy and uh, a part of you will be with someone else forever so i don't know it has such deep uh, meaning and uh, such great joy it brings for me i think it does to everybody actually if you think about it so this hair for hope is there in india as well there's Hair for okay. Hope in India. Yeah, so maybe you could donate it there. There was a very huge uh, rally done recently where mm. all over the world there was uh, a hair donation. Milan Soman, who is a model in India, yes. he's the brand ambassador for Hair for Hope and he cut the hair and inaugurated the uh, global cutathon. So, okay. yeah, that is one organization I can name where you can go.
0: Okay, I think I will also uh, save a link for the organization on my Instagram so that that if anybody is willing to donate, then they can go ahead and do so.
1: Yes, please. That would be huge help. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, Dr. Pradipa, is there anything else that you want to add? Just like to say that whatever
1: it is that you're doing, love it, you know do it with all your heart do it with uh, complete passion Mm -hmm. don't chase materialistic things, don't say that you're going to be a dentist just because you want to have a swanky car or a big mansion or something like that do it for a cause, Uh, do it uh, to make a difference in somebody's life and that's when success will chase you, you don't have to chase the success, I think everyone should uh, take their career in this way, then they will never ever be disappointed appointed
0: wow thank you so much for those inspirational words and I ca- all of us will surely take some wisdom from you. and I had re- like a really good time talking to you and uh, I hope our listeners also had a great time listening to this entire conversation and they had a lot to take away from you I enjoyed chatting
1: with you, Dr. Huma. You have a knack of an interviewer and uh, I really liked the way um, you brought these questions and uh, it was a very nice chat.
0: If anybody uh, would like to get in touch with Dr. Pratibha, then I will be uh, putting her Instagram handle and also her LinkedIn handle in the description box and you can also visit my instagram page send in questions directly to me or directly to her and i'm sure that she'll be very happy to get back to you
1: yes absolutely yeah
0: thank you dr pradipa for joining with us today and uh, for everybody listening if you've made it to the end of the episode i hope you had a lot of takeaway points from this one and stay tuned for the next interesting episode to come. Uh, please share it across all platforms in order to motivate us to keep going and uh, create more episodes. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Dr. Noma. Take care.